Hi, I'm Jeff Hampton, and welcome to the Legacy Builders Podcast. I have helped hundreds of investors protect their assets and maximize cash flow in order to help them create a path to generational wealth. Too often, hardworking high performers find that the structure of their investments not only cause liability, but also create tax issues. And it is my job as a lawyer to ensure that it is never the case. Each week, I will provide the tools, the tips, and the strategies to create maximum wealth in real estate and other investments, as well as interview some of the most successful people that have created their own path to legacy wealth. Welcome to Legacy Builders Podcast. Jeff Hampton here, your host, and I'm excited about today's topic. Today, I'm going to talk to you about LLCs and rental properties, and this is probably one of the areas that I get more questions about all over the place. I've had people messaging me all over Facebook and different groups, and just so you know, one of the areas I spend a good portion of my time helping service is the short-term rental, the Airbnb industry, and this is an area where there is so many misconceptions when it comes to understanding asset protection and whether someone needs an LLC, whether something is effective or not. And and quite frankly, I'll just tell you right now, you know, so many people go online and they'll just set up an LLC and they'll push a button. They'll go to so many of the providers that are out there that are cheap to set up an LLC. And there's so many things they don't know. First of all, anybody can set up an LLC. It's not hard to do in most states, uh, but Without an operating agreement, your LLC is worthless. In fact, an operating agreement establishes the rules for the relationship for the entire business. It establishes everything that would be considered in court. In fact, if you ever ended up in a lawsuit um, and a business type of business litigation type issue that came up, um, one of the things the judge is going to ask is, let me see your operating agreement. Let me see exactly what you guys are working from, and that will help me understand uh, the rules in court here. And so an operating agreement is critical when it comes to that. And I'm going to go over some additional misconceptions about LLCs as it relates to rental properties. So before we do that, though, let's jump into the initial question. Why an LLC at all? What is the purpose of an LLC, particularly when it comes to rental properties? Well, generally speaking, an LLC, its primary focus, limited liability company, it helps you to separate the ownership of the asset from your control of that asset. So the one of the primary goals to asset protection is to ensure that you own nothing but control everything as it relates to your assets. And one of the things that an LLC will do is it can take a business enterprise, business activities, and it will separate it from your personal activities. So that way your personal assets and, and all of that, you know, everything that you have is going to be separated from a liability perspective from whatever you're doing down here in your business activities. And so that's critical to do because if you operate your business or have a rental property or multiple rental properties in your personal name, you're basically pulling back the covers and bringing everything all in the same bed together, everything that you've got going on in your personal life as well as your business life. And that's extremely risky. And part of our goal here at Legacy Builders is to build our wealth, use real estate to do that because it's an amazing vehicle to build generational wealth, but we must make sure and take advantage of the laws and the entity structures that allow you to separate your ownership from your control of that asset. So let's talk about for a minute, we want to... We want to do this, but there are certain rules that we have to watch out for as well. There is a concept known as piercing the veil. 
So one of the things that I would do is bring is I would bring lawsuits. And when I was working in a personal injury, uh, my personal injury law firm, there would be lawsuits that we would bring against commercial property owners. And one of the techniques that's used by personal injury lawyers is to take a look and say, okay, did this individual violate the law in any way that would allow me to be able to pierce the veil, pull back that veil of protection that an LLC is supposed to provide you. Remember, that LLC is supposed to separate your ownership from the control and separate your personal assets from your business assets. But if an attorney can pierce through that veil, what can happen is that lawyer can now hold you personally liable for those for the actions uh, of that business. So we obviously don't want that happening. That's not uh, anything at all that we want to do when we're trying to build wealth. So one of the strategies that we use here is you need to first understand that there are certain things you must not do. You must never commingle funds. Do not commingle business funds with personal funds. And I see short-term rental owners doing this all the time. One of the best, uh, one example of that is, um, let's say you're standing in line at Costco for your property and you see something there that you think looks, you know, hey, this would work great at my Airbnb. So you buy it in your personal name, in your personal credit card. You come back later and reimburse yourself on your business account. So understand that is, that is commingling fund. Uh, there's commingling funds in that situation. Or if you don't keep your bookkeeping in, in order and you don't make sure your books are the way that they, they are not managed properly, it's so easy to commingle funds. That's one of the areas that I would look for immediately is to look and see, does this person keep their business activity separate from their personal activity? If not, I, the argument is, judge, these people are disaster. It's one big slush fund. It, they are no different. This business is no different than their personal activity. So as a result of that, you should disregard it completely, pierce the veil. There are some other things you should do. Under most state laws, you're supposed to keep an annual meeting. You're supposed to keep annual meeting minutes. Um, there's something known as unanimous consent instruments. Many states have state report filings that you're supposed to do. Some states have actual uh, fees that you must pay yearly, like California. And you could go down the list. These are all very important that you make sure and maintain these. Otherwise, you could lose the charter on your LLC that your property is in, and you no longer have the asset protection that you're looking for, or that attorney could pierce the veil of that protection and you end up losing that asset. Okay. Or you, you could even lose more than that. You could end up losing some of your own personal assets. So now let's talk about that. We've now identified why an LLC, an LLC separates your ownership from your control, but now where do you set up an LLC? Does it matter where you set it up? And there's a term in the law that there's a concept known as home state rules control. And what that basically means is, let's say you're buying a property in, um, let's say you buy a property in Gulf Shores, Alabama, right? So there you are right on the beach, Gulf Shores, Alabama, but you've heard these stories that Nevada has really good LLC law protection. So you're going to buy your Nevada, your Alabama LLC, or I'm sorry, your Alabama short-term rental property right there on the beach. And you're going to set up a Nevada LLC and you're just going to move your property into that. Now, here's what happens in real life though. Um, I'm not a big fan of setting up an LLC in a different state for the for you to move your property into that's in Alabama. So if you're in Alabama, I would prefer someone to be setting up an Alabama LLC. Because under the law, this concept known as home state rules control, if you get sued, it'll be an Alabama lawyer bringing a lawsuit against you, bringing you into court in an Alabama courthouse, and you're going to have an Alabama judge making a decision 
based upon Alabama law, not Nevada, not, not, not Wyoming, okay? So the home state rule control means you cannot go buy, borrow another state's beneficial laws for the LLC that you set up for your property. So generally speaking, you should set up an LLC for your rental property in the state for where your property is located, okay? Now, another reason you don't want to do that is it because if you set up a separate, let's say you set up a foreign LLC, for in this situation, a Nevada LLC for your Alabama property. Now you're going to have to pay foreign registered agent fees. Who wants to do that? You don't want to, for the life of that LLC to be paying registered agent fees in both States because it's set up as a foreign LLC. Okay. And you, and quite frankly, you don't receive any extra protection. So it just doesn't make sense to do, but I see people do it all the time. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is before you can even determine whether you're going to move your property into an LLC, here's what we, what we have to ask. I ask all my clients this when they come to me is, did you close your rental property in an LLC? Which means you probably had, a, you had to have a commercial loan. Or did you close in your personal name? Did you use a conventional loan? And with, in the short-term rental industry, overwhelmingly 85 to 90% of every person, especially newer investors that buy a short-term rental, they close in their personal name in a conventional loan. Now, I'm going to tell you if, you, if you are doing a commercial loan, let's say you're doing a DSCR loan product or um, a, a basic portfolio loan under a commercial product with maybe a local community bank, can I tell you, you, must, you absolutely should close in an LLC. It simplifies things significantly. Okay, you're going to avoid so many consequences if you can close in an LLC. But let's say you didn't. Um, let's say you did close in your personal name, and I understand why people do it. If you can close in your personal name, you end up maybe a point or point and a half less um, on a residential loan product like a conventional loan than you would if you had to do a commercial loan. But I want you to understand you must now take an extra step. You are now going to have to transfer the ownership of that asset from your personal name into an LLC. And in the process of doing that, there are three primary risks to transferring from your personal name into an LLC. And I'm going to cover them very briefly. Number one, you have what's known as the due on sale clause. Okay. Now, even six months, a year ago, I wouldn't even be having this conversation about a due on sale clause, but it's becoming much more relevant now in the current environment that we're in. And here's the reason why. Let's say hypothetically, because this is not this is not even hypothetical. It actually happened. Had somebody reach out to me, um, not a current client, but they had they had a, a loan with Rocket Mortgage. It was down in the two point eight nine range, somewhere around there, and they decided they wanted to quit claim deed their property from their personal name into an LLC. And as they began to do that, and they looked to move that property over into an LLC, all on their own, quit claim deed it over. Um, Rocket Mortgage informed them they were going to call their note due. In other words, they were going to have to pay the entire balance of the note all at one time, or they were going to have to increase their interest rate to market rate. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm at 2.9% and now I have to go to 6.9 or 7.4%, whatever it was that they had to get called, because this was about eight weeks ago, um, that, it, that could destroy your entire investment. Okay. Now, why is that the case? Why would they be able to call your note due under the, under the due on sale clause? Because technically, if you closed in a conventional loan, you had a mortgage contract in your personal name. Okay. Not in the name of your LLC. So the moment you decide to move it over into an LLC, you've technically breached the contract. They can now come to you and say, Hey, 
What are you talking about? I didn't have an agreement for you to transfer this over. And as a result of that, we can call your note due. And even, um, you know, bigger pockets, there's been some discussion about this. I think it's been probably two and a half, three months ago, bigger pockets talked about how they are seeing a increase in investigations for due on sale clause violations from mortgage companies more so than they've seen recently. Um, and this can become a concern. Now there are some, there are some exceptions to this when it comes to the due on sale clause. Um, you, if you have an FHA, you can have a certain types of Fannie Freddie pro loan products. There can be exclusions. There can be exceptions to this, depending on, on the type of product that you have, the type of loan that you actually have. But as a general rule, this is a barrier. This is a concern. You need to be aware of it and you need to make sure and get good legal counsel before you just make a decision to transfer that over because you don't want to have your note called due. That's number one. Number two, we're going to talk about another concept now. The next risk is what's called real estate transfer taxes. And this is a fairly significant concern, particularly in the short-term rental industry. And that's because approximately two-thirds of all states have a real estate transfer tax. In other words, when you transfer ownership of an asset to another individual or an entity, that state can actually tax that transaction, force you to make a payment. That can be as low as 0.2% of the value of the asset. And I've seen it as high as 3% of the value of the property. Now that's a, I mean, that is a huge kick in the face if you don't see it coming and you don't realize that there can be a transfer tax assessed upon you. Now in the re, in the short-term rental space, the, some of the most popular states, you have to address this. I mean, for instance, in Florida, there's something known as the dock stamps fee, which is essentially a tax on the value of your mortgage. And you have to watch out for that. If you're in Tennessee, maybe you're investing in the Smokies, you have to watch out for the family-owned non-corporate entity tax. And in fact, most states States in the Southeast and up in the Northeast, and certainly whether you're talking about, you know, most of the most popular states that are out there, they will they will charge a transfer tax, a real estate transfer tax, if you try to move that property over. There are some states where you don't. Texas, um, you've got Texas is uh, you have an exclusion there. You don't have to worry about transfer taxes. And there's some others that are out there as well. But the point I'm making is you need to be aware of that and understand that can. I mean, imagine if it's three percent. Imagine if it's only two percent. You've got a three million dollar beach house. Okay, that that. That could be a deal breaker for you if you're trying to move it over and you need to be aware of that ahead of time. Now, the other part is, is refinancing. This can be a challenge to refinance your property later. Um, and the reason why, think about this, it is impossible to refinance a conventional loan in an LLC. So if you have a conventional mortgage in an LLC, the lender is not going to allow you to refinance it. So what do you have to do? They're going to make you take it out. If you take that asset out of the LLC, what's going to happen? You're going to have a transfer tax in most states. Well, let's say you refi it, and then you decide you're going to move it back in. What are you going to have to pay again? Another transfer tax. So there are mitigation strategies to avoid this situation, but I want you to understand... I see so many message boards on Facebook. I see so many people out there that are just typing in information on bigger pockets and other places where they're saying, hey, look, 
you know, this is not a big deal. I'm just going to transfer over the asset by a quick claim deed. And they have no idea what some of these consequences are going to be the moment they make that decision to do that. So these, I want to point out three big ch challenges that you have, the due on sale clause, the real estate transfer tax, and the refinancing challenges of potentially being penalized when you have to pull the asset out of that LLC if it's a conventional loan. What is the solution? Many of you say, well, is there not a legal solution to this situation? There is. It's known as a land trust. And it doesn't work in every single state, but in many ways, there a land trust can help you mitigate many of these, uh, many of these concerns. For example, back in the early 1980s, there was a law passed known as the Garn State Germain Act that essentially allows people to move assets from your personal name into an LLC using, if you use a land trust. It can help you avoid the consequences of the due on sale clause. And I joke around with people when I when I meet with folks and I tell them that, you know, the land trust is kind of like a Swiss army knife. It's like the utility knife uh, in real estate because there's so many things that you can do with it. Um, essentially, you can avoid the due on sale clause. You can also many times avoid a real, uh, the real estate transfer tax because here's how it works. A land trust is a simple grantor trust you move property into. And in the process of transferring it, you can actually transfer and receive asset protection. And I'll get into this in, a, in more depth in a later episode, but you don't actually transfer the property. Even though you can get asset protection, you don't incur the tax. Um, the same thing with refinancing. I'll go over in more depth how you can actually use the land trust to refinance the entire property um, without having to face those consequences of additional tax in the process of doing so. Okay. So those are just a few things that we're going to talk about. Now, finally, what are some of the biggest mistakes that I see operators making? Number one, I see people setting up LLCs to run their banking through, but failing to transfer the property into the LLC. I mean, look, you've got to do that. You absolutely must transfer the property into the LLC to obtain any asset protection at all. If you don't do that, if you don't do that, you're not going to be protected. It provides you nothing. Okay, so that's that's number one. The next thing I see is avoiding to set up asset protection because people think insurance is enough. And you know, there's a whole, I'll do a whole episode on this um, as it relates to whether or not asset protection is needed compared to insurance. But I think it's really important to understand, do you really want to, do you really want to be able to um, put your protection and your peace of mind in the hands of a third party that has every reason to technically find a way to uh, deny your claim if something happens to your net worth, to the assets that you're spending all your time and effort building. And so that's one of the areas that I see some people. That's mistake number two. Mistake number three is not considering a holding company when they are investing in a state, particularly with very weak laws. A good example of this is California. California has extremely weak laws when it comes to business protection, as well as just asset protection for rental property specifically. And so if you're investing in a state where you don't have charging order protection, you don't have privacy, which most of them don't, you need to consider a holding company. And this is where I'm going to enter only, only introduce this to you for just a second, but holding company strategies can make all the difference in the world. And what we talk about here is a holding company is essentially and it can be an LLC, it can be a limited partnership. But here, we talked about earlier that home state rules control that you can't really go choose a beneficial um, state and their laws in order to set up your LLC. That's true for your underlying properties, okay? 
That, that's true. But when it comes to your holding company, you can go pick beneficial laws of particular states, whether it's Wyoming, whether it's Nevada, whether it's Delaware, whether it's Arizona and the limited partnership structure that's there. There, there are specific states that you can now go and make use of their beneficial laws. And here's how it works. The holding company is now the owner. It is the single member owner of each individual rental property LLC. So you would set up your rental property LLC as a single member LLC that would list the holding company as that single member. And the the critical thing about that, by doing that, there's three big things you receive. Number one, you receive privacy, which means I'm going to use Wyoming as an example. If you used Wyoming, let's say you have a Tennessee property. Okay. If that Tennessee property is set up as a single member LLC owned by your Wyoming LLC holding company. Now, if I go to the Tennessee secretary of state, trying to find out who you are, they're going to tell me it's a Wyoming LLC. Wyoming has ex- has special privacy laws where they will not disclose the names of the members. So now you're, uh, you're essentially anonymous. I can't even see who you are. I'm not able to be able to now even know that you're associated with this business enterprise, but more importantly, you have something known as charging order protection. Charging order protection means that if I sue your Tennessee LLC and I win the lawsuit, if it's owned by a state's holding company that has charging order protection, I cannot make you sell, which is critical. If I can't make you sell as a lawyer, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, my client would not get paid. And as a result of that, what do we see happening? We see good asset protection pushes lawyers down to good insurance every single time. You obtain that right out of the gate, privacy, charging order protection. And then finally, if you're planning on continuing to grow your portfolio, you don't have to keep paying all these K-1 tax filings for every one of your properties. So if you put a property in in an LLC, you normally have to file a K-1 tax filing if you want any type of asset protection. You don't have to set that up that way now. Um, Now you just file a, a K-1 tax filing for your, essentially your holding company. So now you get some preferential treatment when it comes to administrative expenses and tax strategy. Okay. Now, listen, I'll get into in more depth later, but there's also advanced strategies where we can discuss how you can integrate estate planning by setting up a trust. You can have a trust that actually takes care of your estate planning needs to help you avoid probate court and take care of all of your family's concerns in the unlikely event that you were to pass away. But then also that can be integrated as part of the asset protection strategy. So these are layers that we build upon each other as we increase our net worth. And so the question came to me, and I I thought it was important to bring up, why LLCs? Do you need LLCs with rental properties? You better believe you do. But listen, if you're an empire legacy builder, this is important because as you continue to build your net worth, you become a bigger target. And I'm going to tell you right now, rental properties are some of the highest risk assets that you can own. And although you can make a tremendous amount of wealth and you can create a lot of cash flow with short-term rentals, long-term rentals, and multifamily investing, you also can become a much bigger target to lawyers and lawsuits. So... Listen, thank you for joining us on this episode of Legacy Builders. I hope this has given you some clarity um, on LLCs and um, whether or not you need one as it relates to rental properties. Can't wait to see you on our next episode where we're going to dive in even deeper into the subject of asset protection and how it applies to you as you continue to build your net worth as a legacy builder. See you then.